It has been said that every preacher has actually one sermon in them. And throughout their lifetime of preaching, their homiletic energy is basically spent trying to both preach and then hear the message of that one sermon. Fourteen years into this adventure of the preaching life, I would not disagree. Oh, sure, I try week after week to read and pray and learn and discern and listen and share insights and possibilities of what it means to live from a place of Christ consciousness, steeped in God's love. But still, at the end of the day, I suspect most of what I would say, and conveniently, most of what I need to hear myself, goes something like this. No matter where you are today, no matter what you have done or left undone, no matter who you see staring back at you in the mirror when you get up each day, there is a beautiful love story that has unfolded over the centuries, available for you to source your life energies from, to source your innermost truth, your most tender beauty, your fullest self and your deepest wisdom. It is a story of absolute truth, regardless of empirical veracity. It is a story, a meta-narrative, if you will, that draws on ancient, timeless wisdom, as real and relevant today if only we could access, translate, digest, and incorporate the gifts it offers for our journeys. And in the end, none of it matters unless and until we are pushed, prodded, challenged, and then changed in ways that dissolve borders, boundaries, and barricades that we have spent most of our life crafting. The goal of this preaching life, the lesson I need to hear, and I hope you do too from time to time, is to remember, to remember we are indeed wired for connection, courage, and compassion. To consider following the path Jesus gave his life living, pulling ourselves beyond our own limited vision. And to begin every day with what our Buddhist brothers and sisters call beginner's mind. Cultivating openness, learning to pay attention, exercising compassion for self and others, and always on the lookout for peace and joy. And just in case that's too wordy for you, and some or all of that is elusive and or not memorable, I think most every sermon boils down to this implicit maxim. Find and tell the stories to help us remember who we are called to be. Be generous, to listen carefully, pay attention, and above all, to risk what it takes to err on the side of love and time again.
So now that I've shared the homiletic equivalent of a spoiler alert for years to come, our collective task is to turn to today's moment in the gospel and discern its place and possibility and purpose for our context. Let's start with a quick recap of today's gospel. We find Jesus crossing over the Sea of Galilee and landing in the land of the Gerasenes. This tells us he is not just crossing the sea, but also crossing boundaries and borders. The land of the Gerasenes is on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, land inhabited at the time by the Gentiles, a place no self-respecting Jewish rabbi would ever take his disciples and followers. As he steps out of the boat, he's confronted by a man described as, quote, a man of the city who had demons. A man others would describe as possessed. And actually described as more than possessed by just one demon, but plural, demons. In fact, we could say he is occupied. When Jesus asks, what is your name? He gives to me the strangest answer. Instead of sharing his birth name, he says, Legion. Legion. Legion was the description of a Roman military unit of 6,000 soldiers. It's the kind of answer that doesn't make sense at first, but perhaps points to the storyteller's desire to convey that this is a guy possessed not by just one clean spirit, unclean spirit, but rather overwhelmingly occupied by a countless number of demons, alienating, separating, tormenting, and dehumanizing who he is and how he has been defined, both by himself and maybe by the community that has now isolated him and has him living by himself. His story is tragic. He's alone, completely alone. He's wandering the tombs, a place of utter desolation without any faith, and clearly a frightening hazard to himself and to others. But this, this is the man that Jesus chooses to heal. In response to this healing, people are amazed. In fact, we hear they are frightened and in the end, also emphatic in their desire that Jesus leave right away. We will have none of that going on here. Maybe because they were afraid of their own demons. The unnamed man, on the other hand, is so grateful he wants to follow Jesus. But Jesus tells him something else. Jesus tells him, go home and tell your story. What I hear today at the heart of this story is about identity. Who do we say we are? What names have we chosen to call ourselves? What names have we accepted or internalized, either alienating or liberating our truest selves? The singularly most heartbreaking moment in this story for me is that short Q&A. When Jesus asks this man, what is your name? And his reply, 
Legion. I find it devastating that this man must be so far away from his belovedness that he can't even speak his own name. It seems as if he has been completely defined by the storms of life, by what robs him of joy and wholeness, by what keeps him exiled from community and connection, and perhaps by internalizing a narrative of who he is, separate and apart from his deepest truth. And that's where we come in. I wonder when are the times that we too are that unnamed man? When have we forgotten our belovedness, forgetting our need for connection, forgetting our inherent goodness? When have we allowed ourselves to be defined by the less than generous assumptions of who we are? Monikers given by a world often responding from a place of fear and anxiety. When have we ourselves named and defined who we are by our deficiencies and failures and disappointments? What are the things we've allowed to take up residency inside that possess us? When are we too named Legion? It is not lost on me that we find ourselves in the middle of the month of June. A month with two particular opportunity, opportunities connecting this message about true identity and the gift of claiming wholeness as a birthright of our lives every day. Last Wednesday was Juneteenth the celebration of the anniversary of June 19, 1865, the day slavery was abolished in Texas, albeit, as a footnote, two and a half years after Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. It is the oldest nationally celebrated commemoration of the ending of slavery in the United States and could be argued as another seminal moment, marking a reclamation of human dignity and worth and value. In short, another reminder that God names everyone beloved. And then this month is also known as Gay Pride Month. The celebration of the anniversary of June 28, 1969, the day that lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and questioning persons rioted following a police raid on the Stonewall Inn, a gay bar in New York City. This moment began a series of uprisings reclaiming dignity and respect for people too long marginalized, persecuted, and yes, demonized. This year marks the 50th anniversary of that first gathering of courageous individuals who refused to be named other, anything other than beloved. Recently, I received a message from someone on our email list questioning why we are participating in Toledo's Gay Pride March as a church. They were clearly not supportive of this action and ended the message asking this. Why can't we just 
celebrate God's word. I sent a message thanking the individual for writing and invited them to come visit on a Sunday and to get to know us by name. And if by any chance that person or someone feeling that way is here today, there is one more thing I would like to say. Since coming out as a lesbian in 1982, I have struggled, like many of us, to discern and learn about who I am, whose I am, and why I am here. And while I know and thank God that God is not finished with me yet, I claim knowledge of one thing. Without a doubt, everything I know about following Jesus, everything I know about celebrating the Word, has come to me through embracing all, and I mean all, of who God created me to be. I am blessed by, by what some have called the gift of otherness. Who and how I love in the world creates my primary lens through which I see and feel and hear and taste and touch and know all of God's magnificent creation. And it is why, if you were to ask me today, what is your name, Lisa? It is with sure and unshaking confidence that I would stand before you and simply say, Beloved.
Love. 